Amen. Thank you, Jesus. How many's happy tonight in Jesus? Praise the Lord. Amen. There's only one way to be, and that's happy in Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Uh, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me tonight to the book of Psalms. And I want you to turn to the 141st Psalm. And, um, and then we're going to read a portion in the book of Exodus in chapter 30. And uh, the 141st Psalm. And you get there, say amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Y'all are quick tonight. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. And uh, let's stand for the word of God tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I want you to pray with me. Father, I thank you tonight. And Lord, I know that the Apostle Paul and Jesus and every patriarch and every Old and New Testament writer, preacher, uh, Lord, prophet, evangelist, Lord, whomever they may have been, God, they didn't have a PA system. All they had, Lord, was the word of God. And a, and a sure word of prophecy, Lord, that you gave to them. An unction and an anointing from above. And God, we don't need those things. And so I just pray tonight that you will uh, just touch me, Lord. And touch, Lord, this congregation. And Lord, that the frustrations that I felt, Father God, during the worship service, Lord, would just begin to, begin to subside. Father God, I bind the enemy in the name of Jesus that would bring any kind of frustration, Lord, because I know that you want me to preach this tonight. I know that you've got a word for this church tonight, and you want me to speak this. And so I'm asking you, God, to begin to bring the unction from above, and that the, the anointing of the Holy Ghost would rest upon me tonight, and that we would learn something about prayer and the different breakdown of, and the aspects of prayer tonight, Lord, that you would show us here in the Word of God. What an incense that it is, Father God, unto you. And Lord, I pray tonight that you would just bless this congregation, anoint our ears, our eyes, our heart, to see, hear, and feel what you wanting to say and God let the let the results be seen in the altar Lord and we'll give you all the glory and honor and praise in Jesus most holy name we thank you and we praise you as you bless the word amen and amen hallelujah amen the Bible says in Psalms 141 verse 1 Lord a psalm of David Lord I cry unto thee Make haste unto me, give ear unto my voice when I cry unto thee. Let my prayer be set forth before thee as incense, and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. I want you to remember the words of David. Let my prayer be set forth before thee as incense. And then over in Exodus chapter 30 verse 34, the Bible says this. It says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Take unto thee sweet spices. Uh, it's actually called stacti. And uh, anicha and galbanum. These sweet spices with pure frankincense of each shall there be a like weight. 
And thou shalt make it a perfume, a confection, after the art of the apothecary, tempered together, pure and holy. And thou shalt beat some of it very small, and put it before the testimony in the tabernacle of the congregation, where I will meet with thee, and it shall be unto you most holy." And as for the perfume which thou shalt make, you shall not make to yourselves according to the composition thereof. It shall be unto thee holy for the Lord. And whosoever shall make a like unto that to smell thereto shall even be cut off from his people. And so I want you to, uh, to know tonight that I'm going to be preaching on a thought, prayer as an incense. Prayer as an incense. You can be seated tonight. And um, preaching, actually, a very awesome thought on prayer as an instance. You know, Sunday morning we preached on prayer. And uh, it's very important that we know, especially in the hour that we're living in, that we need to be a church of prayer. Jesus said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. The churches across the world in some places have made it everything but that. But he said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. We must be prayerful people. The church must be full of prayer. It, you know, it should be the most attended function during the week in the church. If that's what he said his house is to be called, it should be the most attended. I know we come for worship. I know we come from the word. We come for functions. We come for Bible study. But we need to be people of prayer. We must be people of prayer. And uh, preaching this thought, the psalmist David likens prayer and praise to what took place in the temple and the tabernacle. And how God called Moses to call the children of Israel or the priests to begin to put together that specific incense and all of the ingredients that were uh, you know, included in it. He states, let my prayer, David did, be like the incense. The incense was delightful to the senses of the Lord. Now let me just stop here for a second and say the practical reason for the incense in the uh, tabernacle in the temple was because of the smell of the blood of sacrifices in the Old Testament. I know that that is one of the practical reasons, but there's so much more that God would like for us to understand about the incense in uh, the in the the incense in the tabernacle and what it stood for. There would be no need for incense had there not been a sacrifice. Amen. There would be no need to cover up the stench of uh, the blood or the the the. the uh, animals that were sacrificed there would be no need for that incense had there not been a sacrifice but know this our prayers tonight our prayers of incense are only acceptable and delightful unto God because of Jesus' sacrifice that's the only reason why they are an acceptable uh incense unto him but in Christ they they are lovely to God our prayers are lovely unto God. In fact, I've quoted this many, 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 many times. But whenever Ananias was told to go to the street called Straight, he said, Behold, Paul is praying. 
Paul is praying. He, the Holy Spirit recorded one of the most important things was that Paul was praying. He didn't say he's there and he's broken down and he's, you know, all of these things. He said, behold, he's praying. Go pray for him. He needs his eyesight to be restored, his spiritual eyesight, amen, to be restored. He needs it to be healed. And so all of our prayers are lovely unto God because they come through Christ who is his beloved son in whom he is well pleased. Amen. Thank God. And so I just encourage you tonight in this thought on prayer as an incense. We offer up the sacrifice of prayer and praise. And it is an incense unto the Lord because we come by way of Jesus Christ. Now I'm going somewhere tonight so stay here with me. This is not just a, a you know, a, 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 a what I will call just a proverbial Bible study on incense. God wants me to say something to you tonight. The Old Testament recipe for the incense was patented in heaven. God specifically gave the specifics of the spices and how they were to be combined, and they were patented in heaven. And God forbid anyone, we read in Scripture, to make anything like it. He said, if they make anything like it, they'll be cut off. So understand, there's only one incense that is acceptable unto God, and it is the prayer that is offered unto Him through the redeemed that offer it to Him. Only those, amen, that, that are redeemed can offer up an acceptable worship, an acceptable sacrifice, and anything that is acceptable unto God. It must come through Jesus. Amen. It must come through the blood of Jesus. It, you know, uh, you hear a lot of people and, and, and you'll hear them and the world and they'll talk about how this person is spiritual. You'll see an ungodly movie star or an ungodly singer or musician, a celebrity, and they'll talk about how that they're a spiritual person. Well, I said if you're a spiritual person, you're going to be a holy person because you're going to come through the way of Jesus Christ and through the blood and so they may seem and appear like a spiritual person but the only thing that God accepts as spiritual is that which comes through the holiness of God in Christ Jesus and so uh, he says nobody should ever make anything like it or try to counterfeit it or duplicate it because there's only one real McCoy amen there's only one real a Christ. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes any other way. There's no other name under heaven by which man can be saved. There's no other way of salvation. Only through Jesus. And there's no other acceptance of anything unto God that's worship or prayer except through people that are born again. Washed in the blood. There is... No other way. And, uh, you know, I want to say to you tonight, what was significant about the ingredients and the blend of the incense? Every ingredient has a significance. Just as the Lord's Prayer had a breakdown, the incense has a breakdown of what it stands for. There were four particular spices that were taken from different things upon this earth and put together with salt 
and made into that incense, which was that perfume that went up during the sacrifice. And Jesus broke down the Lord's Prayer. And it starts out with praise and worship and honor unto God. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. It, it approaches a, a holy God that's obviously above all things because you say our Father which is in heaven. Only the heavens, amen. The Bible says even Solomon said even the heavens of the heavens cannot contain you. God is just amazing. He's awesome. He's beyond our ability to comprehend or begin to try to even worship adequately. And we do and he accepts that in Christ. But even in our English language we cannot even put into words that really describe and worship God. I'm at a loss for words and sometimes I just sit there and I almost get you know discouraged because I'm like Lord I wish I could say so much I wish I had a greater vocabulary but I've picked every amazing awesome articulate word out of the English language to try to tell you that you're marvelous, you're wonderful, you're awesome, you're all of these things you're beautiful beyond description you're perfect in beauty and the beauty of perfection you are all of these things you are the prince of peace you are the wonderful counselor you are you know uh, the almighty god you are the provider jehovah jireh you're jehovah shalom the god of peace you're all of these things you're the victor amen hallelujah you are the one father god we read about in the throne room where all of this activity is going on and there's just there's just angels worshiping you holy 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 is the Lord there's so much I cannot describe you adequately and God says I'm looking for the incense of the heart now listen what's significant about this Jesus broke down the Lord's prayer our father which art in heaven hallowed be thy name praise worship the name his name means character. It has a character behind it. Then he says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. That's another, you know, uh, what I'll say, uh, aspect of that prayer. Which is God's perfect will coming to pass upon this earth. In a mighty and an awesome way that is not by might nor by power, but by his spirit he brings it to pass. It's supernatural. It's eternal. It's what God does. Amen. How does he take a drug addict and change their life at an old-fashioned altar in just a few minutes? I don't know, but I know God does. It's a supernatural, eternal, powerful act that he does by way of his spirit and, and changing people because of what Jesus did on the cross. All heaven and all power under heaven or in heaven and earth has been given unto him. Jesus said, all power. And that power can change somebody. By his mighty power, he changes bad men and makes them good. <laughs> Saves them, delivers them. He opens up their blinded eyes. But he continues to go on and break down that prayer. about, And, and he says, you know, give us this day our daily bread. That's the provision that we need spiritually. Forgive us of our debts as we forgive those that are indebted unto us. That is a, a prayer of penance and a prayer that is, is uh, you know, where God shows His redemption and forgiveness and pardon through that prayer. 
you know, forgive us of our debts as we forgive those. We extend that back to somebody else. You know, it's easy for us for, to ask God to forgive us, but it's a whole lot harder for us to forgive somebody else. <laughs> but God will give you the power for both to be forgiven and to be a forgiver. Forgiver. Amen. So every ingredient has a significance. This is where I really want to go. Every ingredient has a significance. And you know, I started writing down these four different ingredients. Really, if you count the salt, that's five. But I didn't, couldn't hardly even get past the first two. And God said, you may not even be able to get past it. You know, in the, in the service and, and people will be stirred and ministered to and just preach until you get to that place where you know it's time to stop. Not because you feel it, but just because the anointing is, is touching people and it's just time to just let me do a ministry in, in their hearts and their lives and you've done your part. But in, in verse 34 of Exodus 30, he begins to break down these four different components or four different spices and he says unto them, he says unto them, take unto these sweet spices. And it's called stack tea is how, they, how you pronounce it. How do you know that, Pastor? Because I looked it up on Webster. But the history of the word stack tea suggests to drop or to distill like the dew which settles only in the stillness and the quietness. That's the root of that word. That's the history behind that word. And if we will offer prayer and incense, we are going to have to be patient in prayer. Are you hearing me? We're going to have to be patient in prayer. Nobody said amen because I can tell you, we have a hard time with patience. We, have a, we can't even hardly stand to wait in line at the fast food place. You know, you stand in front of the microwave and you, and you got a two and a half minute bag of popcorn and you're standing there going, come on. When you don't realize how we used to have to pop popcorn, it was a whole 25, 30 minute ordeal to get the, we get the oil hot and then put it in that pot and, and let it, you know, begin to pop. And, and then they had the ones you shaked over the, sh shaked, shook over the stove. And that was a little bit easy with, easier with Jiffy Pop. And when they came out with, you know, microwave popcorn, my goodness, we're in the millennial. But we're impatient. But if you are going to meet with God, listen to me. And I'm not going to stand up here and act like I've arrived and that I know everything about being patient in prayer because I don't. But I do know this much. There have been times and intervals in my life in 32 years of being a Christian and I have found that God, if you're going to meet with Him and get what you need from Him, you're going to have to be patient with God in prayer and waiting for Him. Amen. Amen. So the dew, he said, which settles only in the stillness and the quietness is in typology of the prayer and incense of patience in prayer and learning patience in prayer. The psalmist said in Psalms 40 verse 1, I waited patiently for the Lord and He inclined unto me and He heard my cry. We learn to be patient as we wait on God. Perhaps God wants to build patient trust in us. And that's why He makes us wait 
Amen. He makes us be patient. Hallelujah. We come with desperation, but let me tell you, I learned something here in the past two weeks that the Bible says that He is a rewarder of the diligent seeker. He didn't say the desperate seeker, even though we're desperate and God hears us when we're desperate, but He is a rewarder of the diligent seeker. He who is diligent is patient, waiting for God to begin to bring the answer. Amen. Think about the woman for 12 years. She was patient trying to find an answer for her problem of an issue of blood but it came down to where she realized I've got to reach out and touch the hem of his garment and she was patient and waiting I believe to get to that place but when she finally got there she reached in amen There's no, there can only be one reason why God had the Holy Spirit put on and in the word of God that it was a 12 year issue because she She was patient and waiting. I know she tried other things, but she said, if I can ever get to the place where I can touch the hem of His garment, I will get my miracle. Amen. We've got to be patient in prayer if we're going to see God move in our lives. Hallelujah. Maybe He just longs and wants us to be patient and trusting Him. Maybe he's just longing for us to linger because he loves to spend time with us. Did you ever think about that? Maybe he just wants you to wait because he loves to spend time with you. We come in and we're so in such a hurry. Oh God, this is my everything. He said, come. I prayed. I waited patiently for the Lord. He heard my prayer. He heard my cry. Amen. This week, actually today, I came in. I came in late. You know, I come in and and I thought, you know what? Priscilla's going to be there. I come in real quiet because I never know if the baby's asleep because she brings the baby. My beautiful granddaughter to to work with her. Amen. God's so wonderful. (laughs) But I come in and I never know if she's asleep or not. But I come in through the door and and I walked in, and I'm telling you, when we met eye contact, we made, we made eye contact. It was love at first sight. <laughs> Amen. I loved her when she was born, but I really love her now. Amen. I'm telling you, I can't explain it to you, but just something happens to you when you become a grandpa. Amen. Something happens to you. Oh, my God in heaven. Just I can't explain it to you, but we just make eye contact with that smile, and she stops everything that she's doing, and she starts making her way towards me. There's just nothing like that. I just get butterflies in my stomach. Amen. I can't explain it to you. I'm being as real as I can be, and as I was putting this message together, God said, how do you think I feel when I see you amen how do you think I feel when I see you my God there's so many so many things and language in the Bible where he said I love you with an everlasting love and I've drawn you with my loving kindness he said in the word of God God dances over us my God in heaven he said I sent my only son because I loved you I loved you and he said 
said, did it ever occur to you that maybe I want to spend more time with you and longer with you than you ever imagined? And sometimes we don't feel God like we want to, but He wants you to stay there a little bit longer. Linger there. So I didn't finish my story. So I came and I thought, Lord, i got to put my message together. But I sat down with Charlotte and it was all over. 45 minutes later, we're in the floor playing Legos. And we put it together. And we're building it up. And then she'd knock it over. And I'd say, let's build it again. We'd build it up again. I could sit there. You know, I said, Lord, I've never had such an awesome time with somebody that didn't talk. God said, how do you think I feel about you? The incense, part of that incense is that you patiently wait in my presence. Oh, my. Oh, my. You know what's awesome is we'll come and sometimes it takes a little bit of time and effort to, 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 to get into that place. But once you get there, you don't want to leave. You just want to stay there. It's hard to get up from that place. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Perhaps God just longs for us to linger because He loves to spend time with us. Patience or tarrying brings the greatest spiritual blessing. Always it does. Patient in prayer and tarrying always brings the greatest spiritual blessing. I got some examples here I want to give you. But Simeon was told... By God, amen, one day you're going to see the salvation of the Lord. You're going to see the consolation of God. Come walking through those doors and here come that little baby. And one of the most beautiful songs I think I've ever heard on that particular story, and it's beautiful, is by the Hensons when they sang that song, I've been to heaven, though I've never left the room. Amen. What the song says in the course is Simeon. Simeon began to weep as he, as, he, as he cried aloud with joy. And he said, my eyes have seen salvation on his face. These hands have touched amazing grace. My ears have heard the voice of God's own choice. I smell the rose in bloom. I've been to heaven, though I never left the room. He waited for years, and God said, because you have lingered here, and you've stayed here, you'll not take your last breath until you see that Messiah. And he saw the Messiah. He experienced him. So if we wait upon God, if we wait for him in prayer, and he was given to prayers and fasting and 
and working in the temple. He was given to that his whole life. And so was Anna. But they saw what nobody else saw. And when I say they saw it, a lot of people probably saw Mary and Joseph walk through those doors to make a sacrifice for Jesus. But not everybody knew who he was. There's only certain people that knew who he was. My God. But Simeon said, I've waited patiently and God rewarded me. The second thing is the upper room. They tarried for almost 10 days in prayer and in unity and one accord. Amen. They waited in one accord. They were in one mind, but one accord. And 10 days later, God began to pour out His Spirit because He told them, tarry until you be endued with power. If you're going to have power, you're going to have to tarry and wait with God if you're going to see that power operate in your life. So the upper room is a reward unto those 120 that deemed it valuable enough and important enough and critical enough for their spiritual life to be filled. They had to stay there until they were Endued with power. You want to be endued with power. Stay there and wait upon God. Wait there patiently. Daniel began to give a prayer unto the Lord. And he didn't get an answer like he wanted to. He was probably used to getting an answer right away. But he didn't get an answer right away. It wasn't 15 days. It wasn't 20 days. It's 21 days. And the angel of the Lord finally came and said, We heard you the first day, but there's been a warfare to get to the answer, to get the answer to you, Daniel. But that doesn't mean God didn't hear it on the first day. But if you'll be patient and keep trusting, God will bring to pass the miracle and the answer to prayer that you're looking for and you're praying for. Just wait upon God. He will answer. Amen. He will answer. He will answer. I don't care how many days it takes. Hold on to that promise. Hold on in faith, in patience, waiting for God. He's a rewarder of the diligent seeker. I was thinking about Carlos and Mary Lou and how that when Adrian Downs went down to Mazatlan in the late 90s, the mid-90s, and he was down there ministering to them and bringing finance and going into the prison. And, and you know, Adrian didn't speak any Spanish and Carlos tried to speak English, but he couldn't. He said, the only thing that I, first thing I learned to say was, do you want to go to the movies? I said, no, we want to go to the prison. But he knew very little English at all at that time. And they pulled off the side of the road in his little missionary bus. And it was a VW bus. You know, the old ones from the 70s. You know, you slide the door and if you don't hold it before it goes to the end of the hinge, it falls off. They had chairs in their folding chairs, the kind we have next door. They weren't padded either. They were just metal chairs, no seat belts. The chairs weren't bolted to the floor, and the door was open. I thought, Lord, here we are. We're on a carnival ride, amen, with no straps. But they pulled that van off to the side of the road, and Carlos is out there, and Adrian, after about 15 minutes, he said, what are we doing? He said, we're waiting for a man to come. 
Okay, do you know when he's going to be here? He said, no, but he'll be here soon. So about an hour and a half passed by. He said, is he coming? He said, he'll be here. Just hold on. About two hours. They stood there and waited by the van and looking out on the beach and the ocean right there. I remember exactly where it was. And here pulled up a man. He waved. He'd come up. Carlos is talking to him. Okay, he left. Come back about 10 minutes later, and he had gas, and they were dumping it in that van. Gas. Filling that gas. Not filling it up, but putting at least five gallons in it, you know. Putting gas. He said, why, why, why did he go get gas? He said, well, that's why we're here. Through the interpreter, he said, that's why we're here, because we ran out of gas. This is before cell phones, okay? This is 1995. And he said, well, well, did he know to come here? He said, no, I just prayed and I asked God to drop it in his mind to drive by here. And it took him two hours, but we patiently waited and God brought the miracle. When we will pray and be patient, part of that incense is being patient and waiting for God to respond and answer. It's awesome. It's beautiful. He will answer. He will answer. He's faithful. Psalms 37, verse 7 through 11. I want to read that to you. Psalms 37. And of course, we know the scripture in Isaiah 40, verse 31. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. Amen. The young men may be weary. There may be people around you that are weary. But if you'll wait upon the Lord, they that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. Amen. God will show up and give you what you need if you'll wait and tarry in that prayer room or in that prayer posture in patience. In Psalms 37, verses 7 through 11, it says, Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Fret not thyself because of Him who prospereth in His way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. Let me tell you something, church. Listen, you can look around and there's a lot of people that it would almost appear like they're getting away with something, but guess what? They're not. Nobody gets away with anything. Even if it's on their last breath and they walk through eternity and they stand before God, they're still not going to have gotten away with rejecting the Lord. Nobody gets away with anything. God will respond and we reap what we've sown in every area of our life. But you look and you say the wicked seem to be prospering. You look around this world and you even look in our own government and it seems like wicked people seem to be able to prosper, but they're not prospering. Amen. God will have the last word. They will not prosper. They, and they may have all the money in the world, but I can tell you they don't sleep at night. Amen. I, I just, it, but it blesses me to read this because he says, Rest in the Lord, wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil, for evildoers shall be cut off, but those that wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. For yet a little while, and the wicked shall not be. Yea, thou shalt 
diligently consider his place and it shall not be but the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace let them in their wickedness go and do all of their nonsense foolishness stupidity and mayhem and think that they're getting away with it but I got peace at night I got peace I'm not worried I've got peace you've got peace because we wait patiently for the Lord. I love this. There is an aspect of waiting patiently at His feet. Ruth found this to be true. She found it to be true. In the Old Testament, as she laid at the feet of Boaz, God began to bring to pass that answer and that miracle. Are we willing to wait before God? Are we willing to patiently wait? Part of the incense, He said, is estacti. It's one of the elements of that incense. And it represents patience. Amen. Patience in your prayer life. Waiting for God to move. Whether you're waiting for God to bring somebody to bring gas. Whether you're waiting for a prayer to be answered. And it's not answered on your time frame. Whether you're waiting for God to pour out the promise that He said 10 days in the upper room. No matter what it is. What you're waiting for. God is in that. He's got a purpose behind it. He wants to spend time with you. And if He delays the, 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 the answer, maybe He'll get more time with you. I used to pick up Aunt Maida, and many of you don't know her, but many of you do. I'd pick her up and take her to the doctor's and I'd say, I have to take you home. She said, can we please go to eat? So we'd go and get something to eat. Then she'd say, I've got to go to the store. So we'd go to the store, and she'd go through that whole store and buy nothing. She'd fill the cart up and then take it all back. Then we'd get in the car, and she'd say, would you come in and just sit down here and play a song for me on the piano? So I'd go in there and play the lighthouse. Then I'd say, I've got to go. It's been three or four hours. I've got to go. I said, please don't leave, Pastor. All of the things. One day I said, you know, this is really taking up a lot of my time. All of the things that she did was to try to cause me to linger longer. I didn't even catch it. And she said, I just want to be around you. You're my son. Please don't leave. God wants to spend that time with us. Will we patiently wait in His presence? Because the, the, at the end of that is a blessing that you cannot contain. Years ago, I've shared this story. I love this story. Now, as a kid, everybody in my family played sports but me. They all played ball and basketball and softball and fast pitch softball. And my family was ball, 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 baseball, softball. I had two sisters that got scholarships to play fast pitch softball. My brother played American Legion. My parents ran the Little League. When you see Pop Warner or you see Little League or Pee Wee League or whatever, my parents ran that. They were over that. We had 
bases stacked up in our garage. We had barrels of uniforms. And we, we had to go through, there was, I don't even know how many teams. There was probably 50 different teams that we had to, they had to, you know, organize and make sure every year. They had to keep the fields, you know, just so-so. And there was, I don't know, about 10 or 12 ball fields uh, that we had to take care of. I remember that. That was our life. Well, my parents divorced when I was little, and my dad moved to California, and my mom and my family, we lived in Missouri, and my parents that year, it was 1981 or 82, I believe it was 1982, my mom said, it's the big tournament day of the year, the one Saturday of the year when they have all the everything, the barbecue, the tournament, the games, they were going on all day long. All the neighboring cities came over with their best. It was from 7 in the morning till probably 8 or 9 o'clock at night. It was a tournament, 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 barbecue, raffles. It was the big, like a corn festival day. And my mom said, your dad is coming to pick you kids up. And I thought, today, she said, yes. And I said, okay. My brother and sister played ball. I didn't. And I remember at 7 o'clock in the morning, we got to that ball field. And they're opening up the concession stand, getting the barbecues kicked off, and all the festivities and everything. And Jonathan's standing out there at the corner of M Highway and Kenneth Road. Phew. Because my mom told me, your dad's coming. Your dad's coming. And I stood out there from 7 in the morning, watched every car go by. I didn't go to the bathroom. I didn't go get a Coke. I stood there because I was bound and determined I am not going to miss my dad. As I stood there, my sister come out. You know, it's a funny thing. She just reminded me of this when I saw her. She said, I remember when you stood out at that corner all day long waiting for Dad to show up. And here I stood on that corner because I was bound and determined I'm not going to miss him when he comes. I'm patiently going to stand here and wait for my dad. My sister come out. You need to come in. They, they say you look ridiculous out here standing by the corner on the road. I said, I don't care. Don't you know they've got a plate of food for you? I don't care. Don't you know that this is going on and they want you to come over and do this or there's a, a game going on, there's a raffle, there's this or that. I said, I don't care. I stood there from 7 to 8, from 8 to 9, from 9 to 10, from 10 to 11, 11 to 12. And about 12 o'clock, a little after 12, watching hundreds, if maybe not thousands of cars go back and forth on that old highway, here come my dad's car down the road. I stood there because I thought, if I'm here when I see him, he'll see me first. I'll see him. And there was nothing more in my life that I wanted than to see my dad. I patiently, patiently, patiently waited. And here come that powder blue Mercury Marquee with a navy blue Landau top 
here he come. And my dad pulled down that road. And as he was coming down the road, I was jumping. I'm waving. I'm like, Dad, Dad, it's me. It's me. Don't you see me? I'm waving at him. Dad, I'm screaming at the top of my lungs. He turned that corner right there on that gravel road. And he rolled down that window and he said, Son, is that you? I said, it's me, Dad. It's me. I've been waiting here all day. I've been waiting. I knew you were coming. And he said, get in this car. Amen. I got in their car. It was so awesome because my mom never ran the air conditioner. But he had the air conditioner on and it was freezing in there. I was like, praise God. Amen. Amen. And he rolled that window up. He said, my goodness, look at you. And I'm looking at him. I said, Dad, I'm so glad. And we're driving down. And there's my brother. There's my sister. There's my family. There's all of my cousins. And everybody that knew me and laughed at me and mocked me. And I'm waving to him as I'm driving down in my dad's car. Yeah, I waited. And now I'm in this beautiful chariot. Here he come to get me. Why did I say that to you? Because one one of the incenses in prayer is patience. And when we begin to patiently wait, amen, upon God and we worship Him, even though we see a lot of things going on in the world, He is coming back for His church. Will you be patiently waiting for Him when He comes? The King is coming. And when He comes... Are you going to be there waiting? Are you going to be without oil? Listen. Incense and prayer is that beautiful, stacky part of that apothecary. That is patience. Oh, let me go on here. Will you stay here with me for just a moment? The second spice, because I'm not going to get all four of them. But the second spice that God told Moses to tell the children to put together was the Onicha, O-N-Y-C-H-A. Patience wasn't the only ingredient, but Onicha stands for penance, penitence or repentance. In your time of prayer, there must be that patient waiting for God, but also in that instance is that repentance and that penance. The fragrance was obtained by crushing a perfumed mollusk or a shell, a shelled animal deep in the Red Sea. The Old Testament recipe for the incense, amen. I'm sorry, I'm going backwards. Repentance is not only vital for redemption to be activated in you, but it's a blessing to your soul and your spirit. You know... In this time that we live in, there's a lot of people. And what they're doing is they're just telling you that Jesus loves you, but you don't have to change anything about yourself. And I've come today to tell you, if you're going to be fully redeemed, yes, you do. You have to come to the Lord. You have to repent of your sins. You have to leave that life and walk with Jesus. You are saved from something if you're saved at all. You're saved from something if you're going to be saved. And they'll say, just come. God accepts you like you are. Yes, He does. But He doesn't want you to stay that way. He wants you to change. And that's part of the work. Of, that's, that's redemption. He redeems you. He changes you. We're 
are washed in the blood of the Lamb. Amen. And that repentance is part of that prayer. It's not just patience waiting for God, but it's repentance. It's a change of heart. And the Bible says that God takes out the hard heart and He puts in a heart of flesh that can be felt. And part of the repentance is God crushes that pride. He crushes that which has not been allowed to be opened up. The woman that had the alabaster box had to break that thing. Amen. And the perfume began to fill the whole room. And there were people that didn't like that that day. They didn't like the fact that she spent all of that and lavished it on Jesus. But I can tell you, nobody knew what was in her alabaster box. Nobody knew the repentance that she had to make to become what she was in Christ Jesus. Jesus knew. Nobody else knew. But I can tell you, the crushing of that shell emits that beautiful perfume that makes up the incense that goes unto God in heaven in prayer. So our prayer has to be filled with repentance. Now, you may come to a day where you say, I had a wonderful day. I didn't do anything in thought, word, or deed that was sin against God. I spent the whole day in prayer. I kept my mind on God. Maybe that day you don't have anything that you need to repent about. But I can tell you, there doesn't seem like a day go by that I don't have to ask God to forgive me for something I said, a way I felt, a thought I had in my, in my mind or my spirit, an attitude towards somebody. Come on, folks. Like three people raised their hand. I said, no, there's more people in here that need to repent. Every one of us. Every one of us. He mad. Repentance. Repentance is not only vital for redemption to be activated in you, but it is a blessing to your soul and your spirit. Brokenness is your friend. Brokenness is your friend. For God doesn't despise the broken and the contrite. In fact, he says here in the word of God, and David penned it in Psalms 51 verse 16. He said, for thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. Oh God, thou will not despise. If you don't learn anything I'm saying, and today learn this that at your lowest moment if you'll come broken before him and say Lord I want to really truly repent I want to change from this I'm sorry for my sin I'm sorry for what I did God I want to be broken he'll never despise that in your life but is in fact the Bible says that he's nigh unto them he is close unto them that are of a broken and a contrite spirit in Psalms 30 34 verse 18 I want to give you those scriptures because some of you may want to mark them down but 34 verse uh, 18 the scripture says that the Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit and get the deep spiritual meaning he is close to especially those broken over sin in 2 Kings chapter 22 I was reading this today. Oh man, it touched me. Because there's a lot of people that 
they may be broken over the consequences of sin. But they're not broken over and sorry over the sin that is a transgression against God. Sure, they don't like the fact that they are going through the consequence of it. God wants you to be sorry because it's wrong. And it's a transgression against the holy God. Not just because you're sitting in jail. I've watched people cry crocodile tears. I mean, they made a commitment to the Lord and they said, Lord, I'll serve you the rest of my life. They got out. They weren't out one hour and they're already back at the crack house. He said, if you're broken and you have a real sincere brokenness, leads to repentance. There, 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 there's, there's a difference between worldly sorrow and godly sorrow. In 2 Kings chapter 2, 22, I'm sorry, Josiah is mourning over the sin of the people of Israel and Judah, and he repents, and God sends him uh, a, a response. And it's so beautiful, and I want to read just a short portion of 2 Kings 22, verse 11. The Bible says, And it came to pass, when the king had heard the words of the book of the law, that he rent his clothes. And the king commanded uh, Hilkiah the priest, and Ahiakim the son of Shapan, and Akbor the son of Micaiah, and uh, Shapan the scribe, and Isaiah uh, a servant of the king, saying, and I'm so glad my name is Jonathan, Go ye inquire of the Lord for me and for the people and for all Judah concerning the words of this book that is found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is kindled against us because our fathers have not hearkened unto the words of this book to do according unto all that which is written concerning us. We may be in a nation that has forgot God and has become ungodly or godless, but church, there's still a church, a remnant church that's crying out to God we want to do right I repent for the sins of the nation I repent for the abortions I repent for the homosexual agenda I repent for the the fact that it was even allowed I repent, amen, for the politicians that I put in and I never questioned what they stood for but I I voted down a party ticket whenever they begin to have no morals at all but it didn't matter to me yes, I repent for people being in office that shouldn't be there amen we vote for people and this is all I'm going to say about this people vote for people because they got an R or a D beside their name they don't even know anything about what they believe find out what they believe and if it doesn't line up to this book don't vote for them We wonder why we're in the condition that we're in. It's because we have leadership that has become a curse to us. And it's not just the one we've got now. It goes back many, many years of people being put in that had no character and no morals. That's all I'm going to say about that. But Josiah says, you know what? We're going to find out what God said in his book. And we're going to correct that and this is what happened the 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 high the priest Hilkiah the priest in verse 14 
begins to send down to this prophetess unto Huldah the prophetess, the wife of Shalom, the son of Tikvah, the son of Harhas, keeper of the wardrobe. Now she dwelt in Jerusalem in the college, and they communed with her. And she said unto them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Tell the man that sent you to me. Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will bring evil upon this place and upon the inhabitants thereof, even all the words of the book which the king of Judah hath read, because they have forsaken me and have burned incense unto other gods. Did you read that? And they might, that they might provoke me to anger with all the works of their hands. Therefore my wrath shall be kindled against this place and shall not be quenched. But to the king of Judah, O Josiah, O man, what a man, what a man of God, what a great king. It said, but to the king of Judah, which sent you to inquire of the Lord, thus shall you say to him, thus saith the Lord God of Israel, as touching the words which thou hast heard. Because thine heart was tender, and thou hast humbled thyself before the Lord, when you heard what I spake against this place and against the inhabitants thereof, that they should become a desolation and a curse, and you've rent your clothes and wept before me, I also have heard thee, saith the Lord. Behold, therefore, I will gather thee unto thy fathers, and thou shalt be gathered into thy grave in peace. And thine eyes shall not see all the evil which I will bring upon this place. And they brought the king word again. What they said was, God heard you. Your incense was lifted up and it was an incense of repentance and a brokenness and a contrite heart. Theirs was not. They're going to go through things that you and I are not going to go through. When you look at the world and you say, oh, Lord, it's so horrible. Things are going there. You know, they're, now they're saying don't even, you can't even water your yard for 15 days when you come to the month of September. Let me tell you something. There'll be plenty of water till the church is gone. There will be plenty of water. There will be food for you and I to eat when, until Jesus calls us home. And he takes us out of here by way of a rapture or a grave. There will be plenty of food and water for us. God will see to it. It's his provision. It's all through the Bible. Whether it's water that has to come out of a rock or manna from heaven, he's going to provide for you and I, his church. There will be plenty, amen, at least till Jesus comes and takes his church home. He gave a word to Josiah through this prophetess. Our prayer must have the component of repentance in it. And God always responds. Isaiah 57, 15, he said, I dwell in the high and holy place with him who is of a, a, a broken and a contrite spirit to revive them, to revive the broken one, to revive the contrite one. He's a God that's in the business of revival. Amen. He wants to revive us. This last camp meeting we had here revived your pastor. It did something in my heart and in my life it did something to me I'm telling you I can't explain it to you but there's an incense that's going up I feel like God has just brought me into a new place a new dimension he's brought me into the holy of holies he's brought me into a place where I'm in the presence of God where I'm like Isaiah where I'm saying yay you know when the year King Uzziah died I saw the Lord in the year Jonathan died I saw the Lord amen 
again when my old man died, my pride died, all of that died and went by the wayside. Now I'm seeing the Lord. Now I'm seeing God. You may not see Him, but I'm seeing Him. I'm experiencing Him. There's a fresh anointing. Repentance. Patience. Waiting upon God. Why did Paul say that in 2 Corinthians? Now I'm hurrying here. He said, there's worldly sorrow and godly sorrow. Worldly sorrow because you got caught. Godly sorrow because you're really sorry. And he said, it worketh repentance. Listen, somebody needs to hear this tonight. 2 Corinthians chapter 7. I already know where it's at. 2 Corinthians chapter 7. He said in verse 8, For though I made you sorry with a letter, I do not repent, though I did repent. For I perceive that the same epistle hath made you sorry, though it were but for a season. Now I rejoice, not that you were made sorry, but that you sorrowed to repentance. For you were made sorry after a godly manner, that you might receive damage by us in nothing. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of. But the sorrow of the world worketh death. For behold, the same, same, self same thing that you sorrowed after a godly sort. This is what repentance does. What carefulness it wrought in you. What clearing of yourself. Isn't it wonderful when you repent, you feel so clean. You feel so clear. You feel so, no secrets, no hypocrisy. There's no, you know, stain here. There's nothing. It's just me and Jesus offering up this sacrifice and this incense, sacrifice of praise. And Lord, you're receiving it. I'm not in the back of my mind thinking, you know, is God really receiving this? Am I, have I done? No, I know he hears me. What clearing of yourself, what indignation. In other words, indignation or anger towards that which knocked you out. It's like that old boy on that movie Fireproof. He took that computer out and he took a sledgehammer to it. You know, we want to be free of things, but we still keep all of the things close to us. You don't want to be free if you keep things close to you. Amen. You move yourself. You, you say, I don't want that person to, you know, to, to interfere with my life anymore. I'm free of them. Then, then, then delete their phone number. I don't want to be bound by, you know, the social media. Then get rid of it. Get rid of it. Get it off your phone. Amen. Look, I'm not going to stand up here and, and be all legalistic or whatever and say you can't do this and you can't do that. I'm going to tell you, if there are things that so easily beset you, get rid of them. Remove them. You want to be free and walk in consistent freedom? Get rid of that stuff. And don't say, you know, I, I want to be free from it, but you continue to play with it. You continue to dibble-dabble with it. You've got a, 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 a side Snapchat account or a side Instagram account or a, 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 another whatever kind of account that nobody knows about that your wife or your husband don't know about, people don't know about. I'm going to tell you something. Get rid of it because God knows. Amen. I don't want to do drugs anymore. Then don't drive by the crack house. Don't drive by the meth house. You know, I don't, I don't, 
I believe in discipline. I'm not a big proponent of AA, but one thing I got to say about AA is they say you got to get rid of your play things, your playground, and your play to- and your play friends, playmates. You got to get rid of the friends. You got to get rid of the stuff, and you got to leave where you've been at. You got to get out of there. Playground, playmates, playthings. Get rid of them because they are a trigger. If you're going to really tr- truly be repentative. With sorrow, there's an indignation that comes over you. Devil, that's the last time you're going to do that to me. Bless God, I'll take, a, I'll take a sledgehammer to that phone. Amen. Some people want to be free, but they don't want to do the things that God's telling them to do to be free. Is it worldly sorrow or godly sorrow? Oh, I'm moving on. He said, what vehement desire, what zeal, what revenge... And all things you approve have approved yourself to be clear in this matter. As we submit to God, resist the devil, he flees because the incense of repentance is like kryptonite to the devil. He will flee. You know, tonight, I just want to stop there. I've preached enough. There's two more aspects of that, three actually. But I want to just stop tonight and just take a moment. And I want us just to bow our heads in prayer. And tonight, you know, I just feel the anointing. I feel the anointing of God. I feel like he's spoke to me to preach this message. And I, I want to just obey him tonight. If there's a person in here and you say, you know what, Pastor, I really need to pray. I, I, you know, I didn't come with that in my mind. But through the message and through what you've preached, I, I just want to come and spend some time in prayer before I leave. If there's somebody here tonight and, and you say, I need to pray before I go home. I've been convicted or I felt a stirring in my heart. I want to offer up the incense unto God that, that, that he will accept. And I want to wait for him. I want to spend time in prayer patiently waiting for him. But I want to really truly repent. I don't want to go back. I want to make things right with God tonight. This is your opportunity. Please don't let it pass you by. Father, tonight I've come. And I ask you to minister in this altar. I know it's late. But God, before we leave, I want every person that wants to pray. To either pray in their seat. Or come and pray in this altar. As we sing. As we close. God let them make an altar in this front. Or in their seat. And make things right. Would you do that tonight God. In this house draw. By your spirit. Draw by your spirit.